Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fence in Podcast. Uh, you are here with myself, Chris Mollard, and Ben Peggs. Ben, how are you doing? Hi, man. I'm good. I'm good. And uh, it's nice to be back in the podcast chair. Slight apologies for our delay. Uh, that's mainly on my front, but I think we've both been quite busy, haven't we, Chris? Yeah, we have, um, for very different reasons. Uh, I broke a rib, and so <laughs> between... And fencing, you broke a rib fencing as well. I broke, I broke a rib fencing. No, that's true. I didn't think it was really possible. And then, then since having broken it, I've spoken to quite a few people, and so many people have piped up and gone, oh yeah, I've broken a rib fencing. And <laughs> I thought, great, where was this before? I think it's, um, it's more, more. it happens more than you think. I know that uh, poor Keith Cook has two broken ribs in his past to... Uh, to actually uh, talk about as well. So I'm, I'm sure you can share war stories, but actually I remember one of the times he did break a rib. He, um, do you know the foam sabers like the, the, by the, the company battling, they do those kind of like foam sword things for kids. Well, they've got like a big fat guard on them. And I remember he, as the, the, the rib was healing, he actually took one of those off. And instead of having a chest plate, because he felt a chest plate was a little bit more, you know, not in the spirit of the game because obviously you get more bounce outs of that. He put a foam foam guard inside his jacket to take the impact out, actually. How did that work? Is it all right? I, I, yeah, I think it was all right. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's hard to hit Keith anyway, but I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's it's even do the job for him. Yeah, cool. And that's quite good. Well, no, I've gone with the, uh, the chest plate approach. Just, I, I kind of passed it now, I think. I think it's now like week eight or nine that's kind of how long it takes but I'm not in pain anymore but it you know I'm still wearing it as a precaution for a bit but as we are only training uh and we're kind of getting back into it I feel that's okay <laughs> I would yeah, want some no, competition for sure I agree so you've got an injury to use an excuse and I've just been stupidly busy as always and um loving every minute of it but we managed to get five minutes or hopefully longer today to be able to to bring you our Olympic and Power Olympic special. I don't know. I can't remember, Chris. What 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 episode are we on now? I'm going to say 21 or 22. But I feel like this is an important moment to jump in because I can't believe you let me talk for so long about a broken rib. Um, because I feel like we need to let everybody know if they don't already know that you. One of the reason you have been so busy is that you are going to Tokyo uh, on Saturday in just one day's time, I was going to say two days, but just one day's time as a coach to the, the Paralympic GB wheelchair fencers. And that's absolutely incredible. Um, and how are you feeling with that? Oh, absolutely. And yeah, thanks, mate. It's oh, it's a real honour and a privilege, if, if I'm honest. Um, you know, as, as most people know, obviously, I'm, I'm you know, a part-time coach alongside my own competitive career. Um, and I've been working with two of, two of the, the, the wheelchair guys in foil for, 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 for a while. And as I think many people remember, we had Dimitri on the, on the podcast, actually, Dimitri Kutia, who, who, you know, I do some, do some work with in foil, um, and the other guy, Ollie Lamb Watson. Um, and um, yeah, the things have been progressing really well. Um, you know, the, the, the men's team is now Piers Gilliver, um, uh, Dimitri and, and Ollie, um, with the addition of uh, Gemma Collis McCann as well, who's also going to be out there. So, yeah, I, I'm, I feel absolutely honoured to have been um, kind of nominated by 
the world-class program um, and, and, and BDF for, for wanting to send me out. So yeah, how, however much I can lend support to, to them, that would, that's exactly what I'm going for. And obviously I'll be, uh, you know, I have the expert tutelage of Peter Rome, who's the, the lead coach out there. And, you know, he's done some amazing work with, with, with the guys and, and the development as a team and, and all the structure that I have down in Bath. So, um, you know, following him is, uh, I've got, you know, so much to learn from him, which is, excellent but um yeah hopefully we'll come back with some uh, some shiny stuff in our in our hand luggage yeah i've got no doubt about that you've got a wealth of talent uh, kind of going on the plane um and i wonder your your experience probably as a sparring partner for rio i will probably have been invaluable for this as well right because i and you'll actually you'll get one step further because if i've heard right i think we had a we've got a whatsapp group and there was some discussion um, a few weeks ago about kind of what obviously in seeing all the Instagram pictures of you know sparring partners especially following Mepstead's progress and kind of his preparations you know mm. he had sparring partners out there which I think were Scythe and Dosa is that right That's and right. I think they kind of disappeared once the games actually started so once he moved into the village that's kind of as they couldn't get that far and I think was that was that the same for you but now you'll kind of be able to go obviously you'll be in the village and you'll be with the athletes the whole way yeah, of, of course. When, in fact, when I went out to Rio with the guys, um, yeah, I was sparring partner and, and God forbid if one of them had, you know, fallen down the stairs, then, then you know, I, I, I would have been drafted in. And, and I guess that, um, you know, for me, we we were training. So what you tend to do at the, the Olympic Games, the Paralympic Games is usually go out to a holding camp. That's to acclimatise get used to your surroundings, all that kind of stuff, kind of get in time zone, um, you know, uh, and things like that. So um, we we went out to a place called Belo Horizonte when we were out there, um, which is north of, of Rio by about an hour's flight. Um, and we went to the Minius, ter- teris, sorry, the Minius Tennis Centre, um, which is, and actually Lavador was one of the other training partners as well. And and we, we stayed in a hotel and it was decked out entirely by GB. And we would go there, we'd train every day. And that was a holding camp for about a week. And then we were then transferred down to Rio, short flight, got there, guys moved into the village. Um, and then we went to basically like British houses, that kind of stuff, where where the kind of support staff were there that weren't in the village were, were kept. And so the personal coaches to some of the some of the squad were also housed in that area. Um, I, I got a day pass for the village um just just on the day before competition which was which was really cool um in fact so much so i got stuck in the media area because andre clution who was national coach at the time wandered off and left me in there and because i only had a day pass i had to have a chaperone so he wandered off and i got stuck in the media zone so i was in limbo between security which i couldn't get out without the right clearance and i couldn't get into the village so i was stuck in this like kind of no man's land and then actually it was um, Owen Lepeshu that uh, saved me um, and convinced the, the, the kind of security on the door that I, I wasn't a massive threat to anybody's life in the village and that I should be allowed in. And so eventually I snuck back into the village and then went and spent some time with the guys. And then uh, when I got my, my, um, my when I, at that point I knew that, you know, all the team were ready to go and I was basically of no, no more use, um, I could relax a little bit and I went and got one of the free um mcdonald's in the village and i remember andre and i um walking around the uh the village with a little flurry each as the sun was setting in in, in rio so it was an amazing memory and um, obviously the guys were then competing in the subsequent days and and actually rio was despite um you know how i'm sure everybody feels about it in hindsight it's obviously one of our best performances at the olympic games you know we had a men's full team qualify um and and, and you know richie came fourth so yeah, the, it was an amazing event and it was in, incredibly part of um and to be going to you know as to us when we didn't quite qualify as a team 
for Tokyo, you know, is really, really hard. You know, we 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 fell short by one world world uh, ranking place to Germany, um, who we'd subsequently beat four years earlier uh, by one by one place. So unfortunately, the tables turned um, against us this time round. So it was gutting to then not qualify as a team. Um, but then to obviously be called up for, for the Paris as a coach was, uh, you know, for Paralympics as a coach was was awesome. And actually, I, you know, probably get way more access to it when we're, when we're there. You know, we're going to do a holding camp um, as we did out in Rio with the Abelbods. Um, the world, we're going to be spending some time in a place called Kyo, which is where Marcus was with his sparring partners. Um, and then we'll move from Kyo into, into the village um, and we'll all be based there for the days of competitions. And it's, it's a busy schedule. So really excited, really looking forward to it. It's going to be very hot, uh, 33 degrees, I think most days, 80% humidity oh. and plus nine hours. So a lot of acclimatization. So very, very exciting. But, um, the, you know, we, we, we've obviously just had the Olympic Games, which is an amazing thing, amazing spectacle. Um and kind of what was, what was your take on the Olympics, um, Chris? Did you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you very kindly shared your Discovery Plus password with me to be able to, so we could both watch the games. Any kind of standout moments for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I've got to say, I didn't watch all, the whole thing. Uh, I did consider uh, kind of staying up for the men's foil, especially to watch Marcus. Um, but then I discovered he had a bye to 32 and he wouldn't be starting until like 4 a.m. or something. And I thought, uh, I just can't. <laughs> so um, <laughs> most most events I watched kind of from the last day onwards. Um, standout events. I, I I think I'm a big fan of Men's Sabre. Uh, yes. I was yeah, thrilled that Shilagi. Uh, and I'm sure I'm sure my emotion will mean a lot to him. But uh, <laughs> thrilled that Shilagi won a third individual title i mean that has got to be insane big surprise i think that O didn't uh make it through um Great. yeah so men's foil was really good to watch but also i found myself really cheering for the frenchman uh mm. in the, the men's epee final as well the guy that had never podiumed at a world cup uh and and suddenly you know became... Do you know the story there chris Do you know the story about that i've heard some of it but why don't you why don't you tell us because i'm sure you know more than i do well, I'm hoping I've got it right. I, maybe, maybe I'm I'm wrong. But he he was never meant to be on the plane in the first place. He was never meant to be going to Tokyo. He was their fifth man, and unfortunately, I think an anti-doping rule violation hit one of the other men's epiists, who was then pulled from the team. And then, oh no, 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 no. Actually, no. I could be wrong. I say that. No, I think he was fourth man on the team. So he was going for just the team event, just the team event. So he wasn't actually going to be competing individual because, as we know. Yeah, take take a team of four, but only the team of four, the three can compete individually, and the fourth man is for the for the for the team. So he was fourth man. Somebody got pulled from the team because of some kind of doping, or I don't know if he if they were doping or not. But there was some anti-rule doping violation that meant that they were no longer in the games. So he then bumped up into the top three, and then got to compete in the individual, and then went and won the event. And he was ranked forty odd or fifty odd in the world or something. Is that right? Yeah. So I, I think it just goes to show that uh, anything can happen in FA. Uh, I think the same can probably be said of the foil because I, I, who would have picked Kalong Chung to win <laughs> the men's foil individual title? Not me, for sure. I'd have, I'd have pegged on the Americans taking at least two medals. Oh, yeah. I was with you on that one. I thought Garrick was going to win um, a medal. Definitely. I thought after his form in Doha, I thought he was, you know, flying. Um, but I mean, Kalong Chung is just an absolute monster and, you know, he's 
I dropped a message afterwards and just said, you know, massive congratulations. You know, he just whenever I fenced him, he always makes me feel a bit silly. Um, but uh, yeah, but also what's amazing about Carmichael, he's actually a lovely, lovely guy as well. You know, I've, I've had the pleasure of spending some time with him in America whilst doing some training and he he's just the the sweetest guy. And, and so an absolute deserved winner as well. It's always nice when the champions are humble, good, down to earth people. And he's exactly, exactly that. Um, and also what an incredible um, display from his coach and what they've done with the Hong Kong team. I think it's just, you know, in the last kind of couple of years, I mean, yeah, Colin Chung was junior world champion, of course. Um, but to go from that to becoming Olympic champion is another big step. And that's exactly what they've done. So yeah, it's some, some watch that space when it comes to Hong Kong, they could be their dangerous, dangerous team. Yeah, I've always been really impressed with them and I've seen them at the Leon Paul Centre as well. Actually, I know that, you know, over the last few years, there have been those training camps, international camps, obviously not during COVID. But, you know, before that, when, you know, the Polish team would turn up, you'd have the, the team from Hong Kong and you'd have, you know, other fencers, maybe that don't have a kind of unit that, that would kind of be involved in that as well. So, you know, you a couple of Czech guys. Um, you know, maybe someone from Ukraine, a Greek guy. And I was always really impressed with the guys from Hong Kong. Um, mm. But I, I, I didn't, again, I, I didn't necessarily predict that they would kind of do anything. But obviously, they've had some really strong results and they've stepped up at the right time. Because actually, it felt like for them to qualify in itself was a huge achievement. So they, they've done, I think, incredibly well. And as you say, watch the space because, you know, four years... Is a, is a good amount of time for a young, strong team to develop. I thought that with the Poles in the last Olympic cycle, actually, as well. I yeah. the, Polish, the Polish team were really, I think they're definitely on the up and are going to be going somewhere. I mean, look at look at the Japanese team, you know, finishing fourth as well. Um, they finished fourth, didn't they? Was, am I right in saying that? Yeah. Was, yes, they did. Yeah. They did finish fourth. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, they, they were a really, you know, they took a bit of a dip halfway through kind of, qualification in the four years between, but they, they were a young team that had been developed really well by um, Oleg uh, Machichu, who's the, who's the national coach for, for Japan. Um, and, you know, they, they've, they've done incredibly well. And the fact that one of their individuals also came forth um, uh, as well, uh, it, was, um, it was incredible. So, uh, was, hang on, who was it that um, uh, came forth? It, um, it's, it's escaping my brain at the moment, um, the name. Uh, Matsuyama, sorry. Oh, no, 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 Matsuyama, apologies. Bikini, sorry. I was about to say Suzumura, but he, he wasn't there, sorry. Um, yeah, Matsuyama was actually put out earlier by Garozzo, yeah, and it was uh, Shikini went on to to, uh, to to produce the goods and come forth. And, you know, I mean, what an incredible fight he put up all day. But for me, I mean, the fact that Chupinich won a bronze medal, the fact that a zonal qualified athlete, so someone that hadn't necessarily... OK, and this is this is the craziness about our sport is the fact that despite him being top 25 in the world, not qualifying directly to the world rankings and then having to win the zonal competitions of Europe, arguably the strongest zone to try and get through, you know, just 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 by the fact that, you know, fencing has predominantly been a European dominated sport. It's not that way anymore, but still, nonetheless, a very, very strong competition to come through and then went on to to, to medal. He looked dangerous at the zonals. He produced the goods. And then what an emphatic bronze medal for him. Absolutely. No, I, I was um, I was very impressed with that, actually. I was also really impressed with Garozzo making the final again. Um, I know he's been really strong in the last, well, five years now. <laughs> I was going to say four, but obviously five years. Um, but, you know, I, th I think consecutive Olympic finals is something else. It's, uh, it's, it's not like, I mean, World Cup finals are hard enough. But I think, you know, to, to be able to, it's kind of what we were saying with... Um, with Shilagi, but 
to be able to kind of target and perform at these competitions that happen every four years. There are two in an, in an eight-year span. You know, it's quite a crazy, or a seven-year span, a, a, an amazing uh, achievement, I think, to, to make. I'm sure he'd have been disappointed with only silver, but, yeah, you know, in, I, uh, I think, yeah. I, I know I completely agree. I think it's, it's absolutely stunning, the fact that he's been able to do that. You know, it's hard enough for anybody to win back-to-back games, let alone still, you know, make make a final. And, you know, you're right. You know, Zhilagi is also like the legend now. He's the legend of fencing, the fact that winning, winning three back-to-back Olympic titles. Not not just winning three titles in his lifetime, but back-to-back as well. That's incredible. And I think Garozzo's display was incredible. And actually going back to that fight with Matsuyama, that for me was the kind of standout, um, fight for men's foil because he was 49 up on Matsuyama and in fact I was late for something that day because I could not leave the house until I'd seen the end of that fight and the way at 40, it went about it was 49 and there was you know I think the Takramis from Matsuyama and there was another action and then there were like four step lunges in the middle of the piste so four step lunges in the middle of the piste I think Garozzo tried to like make a faint disengage and go to outside line, bearing in mind that, that Matsuyama's left-handed. And it was one light to Matsuyama. He had a high hand, blocked him out. Um, and that happened once. And then Garozzo did the exact same thing and got hit again. And then by this point, it was, I think, that that made it 14 all. He went for the same thing again, if I remember rightly, if my memory serves me correctly. And he missed and Ma- uh, Matsuyama hit off target. And then he just amended the way he did it and went slightly shorter with the step lunge, slightly earlier hand, and then made that disengage and landed shoulder to win 15-14. Did the same, like, three or four actions and just tweaked it subtly each time. Talk about, like, walking a tightrope. I mean, I I was literally on the edge of my seat and I couldn't believe from 14-9 up it got to 14 all, but what a finish. I mean, what a finish that for me, that was the men's foil standout fight. That was, yeah, that was amazing. And then actually, that's a, a good question for you. What's, uh, what are your thoughts on repeating the same action? Cause I've, you know, I've been at international competitions before I've been in a position where I've been 14, nine up. And then I thought, well, right, well, I'm doing one of two things. So I'm going to keep doing those two things, you know, kind of one thing in attack, one thing in defense. I'm going to keep doing that. And then from 14-9 to 14-0, it hasn't worked. <laughs> and I thought, well, it's bound to work one of these times. So I did it again and it worked. <laughs> and I, what, are, what are your thoughts? Because obviously that's always a gamble. It's like, do you keep going with what was working before in the fight? Or do you take a risk and, you know, kind of potentially have that backfire? What, 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 what's your strategic call on that? Well, I, I, think, I think you have to ask yourself whether it's... Uh whether it's the, the 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 tactics or the technique basically are what you are what you're doing is it tactically the right choice so therefore do you honestly believe you can hit with that action because tactically you've managed to expose something and it will work and therefore if it's tactically right and it's not landing is that because you are technically executing it poorly so therefore you have to amend the technique or is it that you're doing lovely technical action with good technique, but it's just the wrong choice of action? You know, it doesn't matter if you do the world's perfect step lunge um, into a closed line, you will never hit um, because it's a closed line, you know? So, but 
is it the like Garozzo found from what from the outset from what it looks like from from me having watched this it looked like he he was you know accelerating a tad early into to, to the action and not giving his hand enough room to, to 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 make the action that was appropriate so for him he believed tactically it was the right choice and as you can see he kind of amended his 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 technique at the uh, just towards the end to make that action work but sometimes i think we get bogged down in the in the thinking that um that actually oh it, it must be a technical error i, I just need to get and do this harder faster stronger and it'll work when actually we need to ask ourselves no it's probably not the tactically tactically the best choice of, of action so you do have to kind of go through that strategic thinking a little bit um but actually that being said what was crazy is to watch Zelagi, the 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 amazing champion that he is, have a slight wobble in the bronze medal team match. I don't know if you saw that with Hartung, the German. Yes, I did. God, Coming that back. was quite exciting, but also terrifying. Oh, I was literally on the edge of my seat. I couldn't believe it. It was like almost everything Zelagi wanted to do, just he couldn't he couldn't execute, and and Hartung was just going seemed to land everything. And the final score was like 14-5 or something, wasn't it? I mean, he went in, obviously had more than a 10-hit buffer. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think uh, who, who were they fencing? It was Hungary against... Germany. Germany you just said, yeah. So Germ Germany were in the 20s, you know, like 28 or something. And Hungary had 40. And, you know, Hartung got a few hits. And uh, I'm sure everybody's thinking the same as me. He's like, oh, it's all right. You know, he'll get off the mark. And then, but Hartung got to 9-0. And then it was squeaky because it was suddenly like 40, 38 or something. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah this, no, is a, this is suddenly not comfortable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know what you mean. It was like, I, I know even the commentators were like, he's going to need a minor miracle right now to kind of pull this back. And it just shows how in Sabre things can so easily switch. And to the point where even I was like, oh, hang on a minute. This is starting to get really squeaky. So, but yeah, I mean, an, an amazing fight nonetheless. And, and actually... It's to be noted that um, that uh, that we've got some fencing powerhouse couples now winning multiple medals. Um, you know, I, I think that we came came away with Lee Kiefer having been Olympic champion um, and, and 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 beating uh, Douglas over in the final, um, and then we had Garrick obviously win his team USA bronze medal. Um, and 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 you know they're they are a couple together. Um, then you had uh, Imboden with his his uh, team bronze medal, and um, Tibus his his other half. She came away with a with a team medal as well. Um, and then she you also had... got an individual medal, didn't she? Didn't she get two silvers? Uh, oh yes, maybe you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you are right. Yeah, I... I stand corrected. Sorry, yeah, you are right. Um, so yeah, so three medals there across them. And then you had um, uh, Volpi and Garozzo. Garozzo winning um, his individual medal and, and and Volpi her team medal. So you got some 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 powerhouses in the uh, in the foil world. Uh, there's there's going to be their their children may have a lot to live up to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's true. I didn't know Garozzo and Volpi were a couple actually. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. So they've uh, you've they've, also they've, they've both they've both been doing got... very well. Uh, yeah, they're very good. You've also got I don't know if they. I don't know if she won a medal this time around. Um, Carlan and Samuele. Obviously not, not both. They're both Sabras. Uh, uh, yes. No, Carlan didn't unfortunately win a medal, but he did no. in the team. He did. Uh, and individually. Uh, yes, yes, uh, yes. You're right. Yes, yeah, he, he made the finals. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, no, uh, that was did, incredible. Yeah, he did. He did very, he was fencing really well, actually. Um, and I, I, I thought, 
he, you know, it'd be really nice if he won gold, but I want Janagi to win gold. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone was kind of waiting for the stars to align on that one. But uh, also, big shout out to our uh, to to our Canadian ladies that we had on uh, on the podcast last time as they flew out to Tokyo. Um, a huge round of applause for their fifth. I mean, they came fifth and it was amazing and they fenced beautifully. Um, and, and, you know, only kind of the powerhouse nations were above them. I mean, Russia winning um, the, the gold with, with France and silver, Ita- Italy taking the bronze. Then USA in fourth, um, which was arguably tough for them, tough pill for them to swallow, I'm sure. And then Canada fifth ahead of, you know, some 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 big nations like Hungary and, and, and even Japan. Women's J- Japanese team have been very good in the last few years. So, yeah, fifth, that was amazing for them. Fantastic. They did really well, really well. And they um, also, so Kelly Bryan made the last eight and then uh, yep. Jessica Gua, who didn't speak to you, unfortunately, but and uh, Eleanor Harvey both made the last 16. I've also just looking at the results. I'm very far off the mark. Um, Tibu definitely did not get an individual medal. <laughs> she came. Oh, nine, so. I must be I must be thinking of did she win a medal in Rio? I don't remember. Oh, maybe I'm getting lost. <laughs> We've made, made a pot out of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, in all fairness, I think, to be honest, when you win as many medals as she does, um, it, it all kind of blur into one, especially after uh, her emphatic World Championship uh, final as well. So, yeah, no, 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 you're, you, we, we, stand, we stand corrected uh, on that. So, um, yeah, no, just one medal for uh, for, for Tibus. But um, it was, uh, what I love about fencing is you see some uh, nations on the on the podium um, that, that that you what don't tend to see in other sports. Um, so you know, a bronze medal going to uh, going to an Estonian for women's epe. Um, I, I I really don't want to to butcher her name, so I'll I'll, I'll call her Katrina because that's her first name um, rather than uh, I think it's Lettis or Lehis or some or something like that. But uh, yeah, and Estonia are obviously very strong in 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 women's women's epe. So yeah, bronze medal for Estonia, um, which is they, which, they also they won team gold. They did. They did exactly that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So As again, you say, kind of um, coming above Korea, Italy, China, USA, Poland, Hong Kong. You know, like they they really. What an amazing job. Um, yeah. I think I think Sean Walton uh, or Gav possibly called that at the start of the season. <laughs> they said they had a really strong looking team if they can qualify. So that's, uh, you know, well, well done them because I, I don't really follow Epe. But it, it was fascinating, as you say, to see kind of where, where people ended up. Um, no, great job. And again, actually, speaking of which, talking about the kind of strength of of upcoming nations like Hong Kong, um, actually in in women's FA, um, you had uh, uh, Kong in fifth, and and she was um, she uh, yeah Vivian uh, Maui Kong, she 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 was uh, up there as well. So you know, some na- nations really emerging across uh, across the 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 whole board actually. Absolutely, and looping back around to men's foil, um, I think my. I mean, I'm, I'm quite pleased, actually, that France uh, in, in the men's won team gold. I, I think that was fantastic. They did really well. They fenced really well all day. Um, I, I thought they would definitely get a medal going into the event. But for me, the big shock, which is a kind of two-way shock, is the fact that the USA didn't make the final, but also that mm. the incredibly young Russian team did. Um, and they oh, seemed yeah. to kind of sweep their way through everyone. They did really well, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's um, with it, with a year and a half of COVID, I, I can imagine, you know, anywhere in the world, no matter how you cut it, um, there's been some really challenging times. And I, I think some nations stuck with some of their strongest athletes from the qualifying period. Others decided to 
keep the door open really um and there was quite a a few changes that that went on within some squads uh, you know there, there might have been some internal competitions as well happening across some nations but i mean ultimately we never really know what kind of goes on um but behind closed doors with competitions in other nations especially with obviously you know, COVID. So to see a very different team from what we were expecting for Russia for men's foil um, was like, wow, you know, we, we, yeah, I don't think anybody would have kind of put their, put it, put it down to those guys in the team. Um, but I mean, what an, what an incredible um, event they had, d- despite how young they are. I mean, uh, ultimately you could say, you know, they've, they've, they've gone from gold medal in, in Rio to, 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 to silver in, in Tokyo, but considering, the 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 relative inexperience of the team um, in comparison to, to 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 the team that won in in Rio, that's still an an, an incredible uh, result. So uh, and actually, you know, hats off to France for going one stage better than than uh, than than Rio. I know Rio was a bit of a heartbreak for them after you know there was a bit of uh, they were they were up quite quite a lot in the final and then you know there's some that kind of got taken away from them um, and, and they came home with a silver medal. So to go on to, to, to win gold at, at Tokyo was in, incredible. And, and actually, again, a group of really, you know, nice guys. And I think that they've, they've been so consistent over many years that it was a, a real, real reserved win from them. Yeah. And a real turnaround. Cause I know the French men's foil team had some struggles in the last, uh, I think probably kind of since London, kind of around London, I know there was a real criticism and then they kind of had a funny time, you know, they weren't really sure who their fourth man was and they that, you know, their third and fourth, their third and fourth fences and that kind of caused some, some difficulty because they weren't very settled. But they really, they've, they've now kind of landed in a place where you, I can't help but see them and the USA as clear, uh, you know, front runners for the next, I don't know how long, uh, as, as long as, you know, obviously as long as kind of events yeah. and they can keep going. Trying to take on the might of, you know, Russia, Italy, France, USA, they're kind of the big four in men's foil, um, you know, cross fencing in general. But, you know, despite having said that we've seen some some uh, some new nations emerging, you know, they are still kind of the ones to beat. Um, but, you know, and when you've got the strength and depth that some of the nations have, I mean, look, you've only got to look at uh, Kusara, his fifth Olympic Games. What an absolute legend. I mean, just to even be qualifying and making teams for that long. He's just absolutely insane, you know, and, and hats off to him for making his fifth Olympic Games. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm just looking at the, the so the results list does give you people's age. So Kassarov, 37, Jopik, 38. Uh, I, anyone else said, Clyde Brink, 36, Samandi, 35, uh, and Chung from Hong Kong, 36. So some good... Uh, yeah, some good events in there. How how many people, how many of the fencers that we've seen in Tokyo do you think will we we will see in Paris? I I, I don't know. You know, I think um, it, 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 pos- arguably it could be very similar, seeing as we're actually got we've got three three years until the next game. So it's actually going to be. I mean, look, by the time we and, and arguably we haven't really got much of 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 this season, you know, with the potential for cancellations and the potential chop and change that could go on, you know, this first season, everyone getting back will be mainly people finding their feet. And then halfway through the following season, you're going to start Olympic qualification all over again. So it's going to rattle by. And I think you'll see some people ride the crest of a wave straight into the next games. Um, 
so you know yeah and, and uh, you know what but uh, it's it, who knows a lot of things can happen between now and then it could be injury all kinds of things usually after Olympic Games is you know announcements of retirement um I know for those that are you know interested in kind of Olympic updates and and, and you know watching good videos online um if you actually go to um Instagram um there's a, a really uh, cool page uh, to follow um and i i i really um don't want to to butcher the name um but it, i believe it's inspire on sports um which is um you know it, it, it it's a it's a small company that's just started up in the uk to um start coaching um and, and bringing grassroots level fencing to, to young kids um but their their page has been really good for showing some some really wicked videos from the olympic games and actually on there they've shown some some of the announcements from some of the big biggest um fences in the world who are who are now looking to retire so they're definitely worth and that that's um that's been set up by by our friend alex toffolidis so yeah do check that out because it's a great page to, to to see um but for me one of the other kind of standout um results was was actually the the, the french um female saber team i thought they were great um they they fenced brilliantly i've kind of seen their rise in the last couple of years and they've been really really awesome um with a kind of standout performance from uh brunette who or, or, or you you could probably help me with the pronunciation uh chris or uh brunette um and she, yeah, she went on to, to take <laughs> thank you went on to go and take silver um in the individual which again she she's such a, a great composed sabra to watch so yeah awesome i really enjoy watching watching the the, the lady say okay cool and then what are you so what are you looking forward to in tokyo uh what what are, so who have we got going who are our gb hopes and who are the kind of the big names in the, in the different weapons well i mean arguably um you know both piers and dimitri are the are the, the ones that are the ones you're gonna keep your eye on in terms of you know the world ranking um piers is is world ranked number one in epe and dimitri is world ranked number one in both foil and and epe so you know they're they're different categories so piers is category a and Dimitri is category B. So, you know, ultimately we, we have a really good medal shot um, and uh, with, with, with those guys. Um, and of course, Gemma Collis McCann is, is a very, very experienced fencer. You know, this will be her third Paralympic Games. So, of course, one to watch. Um, and, you know, you, you've got Ollie Lamb Watson, who's who's new to the scene, um, onto the world class program and, and you know, has, has kind of come out of nowhere, an incredible um, uh, foilist and, and, and epist. And he'll be joining the guys in, in the team event. Um, so it really means that they can add to their to 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 their hopefully their medal collection individually and transfer on the team. You know they they came back from the world championships um, and with a bronze medal in Epe in the team. Um, and so if that's anything to go by, they are definitely the team to watch in in, in Epe. And it, it could be um, GB's first you know team medal in a, in a long time. Um, so arguably Britain are the ones to kind of beat out out in uh, out the Paralympics. Hey, brilliant. And who, generally speaking, are the uh, are the big, you know, the kind of countries to watch in the Paralympics the same uh, as in the Olympics? Like, do, yeah. do they, does that kind of match up or do you get some unusual uh, kind of predictions in there? No, no, no. You know, the French are very good. The Italians are very good. The Russians are very good. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of big powerhouse nations are there. Um, USA, not so much. Uh, they're, 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 they, they're about, but they're not as prolific on the scene as they are in, 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 in able-bodied. So, yeah, it, it'll be definitely, um, you know, a, a carve-up out there because it'll be really interesting to see, um, like the able-bodied uh, section, who's been able to get access to their national training facilities and their coaches and things like that. So, 
you might see a lot of random results as well. Um, but that's the nature of the beast. I mean, with the Paralympics and the Olympic Games, right, it's always every four years. So people put so much pressure on themselves to perform. Um, and that can sometimes be the biggest undoing for people. Um, so, yeah, ho hopefully everyone's nerves can be settled and they can go out there and deliver. But, um, yeah, it, it, whatever whatever happens, it will be incredible. And, you know, Piers had a silver in, in Rio. So to uh, to kind of go on one one stage further from that to, to win gold would be absolutely incredible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. It's always one of those situations where you go out there and, and you do all the preparation and then, you know, on the day, just got to let it let it rip so hopefully the guy the guys and and uh the, the and and as well will do us all, all proud so i know i keep saying guys <laughs> hopefully everyone will do us proud who are on the team so yeah no, i'm really really excited so i fly tomorrow and but the protocols to get out to japan are are challenging um i've i've had so many tests it's unbelievable and the amount of power um, amount of paperwork we need is also extensive so by the time we actually get down on the ground there i will then start to feel relaxed because it's certainly been um a a, tr a trying uh process trying to get into the actual uh paralympic um environment itself you know they're taking their their COVID procedures very seriously out there yeah so so i've heard and actually so you, you touched on something quite interesting because so i haven't flown anywhere um you know since well since before covid yeah. um but obviously you are now about to get on a flight to Tokyo. Um, how does the prospect of flying feel to you? I mean, and the reason I ask this is because I want to vaguely touch on, um, you know, the prospects of uh, the FIE season that's been announced um, as well. And, you know, kind of maybe what may or may not happen with that. Yeah, completely. Um, I, I mean, you know, for me, we've got the highest grade possible masks to wear out there to make sure that we, you know, um, we're, you know if everybody's wearing it then we're you know because the masks are a bit of a misnomer it's about protecting others rather than yourself so if everyone's got a good quality mask on you hope that the transmission is, is lower um you know we're, we're we're flying in economy plus which helps um and you know the, i think ba are going to take every possible precaution to make sure that we're well looked after um you know we we when we get through to the other side we're kept in a lounge um we're not allowed to go shopping or anything like that so there there are there's quite lengthy procedures but obviously that's kind of paralympics gb that's not going to be the same as um the kind of fie season when some of the other squads get back and 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 have and go on a plane so i i think you know it's always good to keep up to date with the lo the latest like testing and protocols that are needed to fly and to the country you're flying into as well um you know trying to be as safe as possible with you know taking you know wipes the plane if it's a long-haul flight with um you know with things like the the touch panel in front of you um making sure that you're kind of keeping your mask on at all times um you know staying in your seat as much as possible because up and moving around the cabin and stuff like that is obviously kind of on a lot of flights still not okay to do um and you know travel will open up and it, and it will go back to some normality i i feel but I, I I think that we've still got a long way to go, um, and I know that the FIE have have put all some some of the satellites in place. They've you know put the um, the competitions in place, but the European Champs has been delayed again to October. So it's it's kind of it's an ever moving environment, and we have to stay adaptable. Um, and you know I, I think that you just have to be prepared to know the risks that you're taking when traveling, although they may feel relatively minimal 
it, it's it's still an unknown, you know, especially with a lot of the the other variants that are going around. So I'm just hoping that a few months down the line, um, things will only get better. But who knows, really, as winter comes in, the the, the variants could get stronger. They could come back. They, we could need boosters. We, we just don't know. I think everyone just has to be prepared to live in an environment of consistent uncertainty. And that's really hard. And a lot of sports psychologists are working very hard with athletes who try to control their surroundings um uh, to actually be okay with 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 this uh, this continuous uncertainty um you know i'm i'm trying to make sure that my preparation for the european champs is is going to be on point but i also don't know if it's going to get laid again or if it get cancelled or things like that so it makes it very challenging for the athletes um but at least you know even with tokyo being delayed by a year you know marcus's preparation would have had to have changed um the, the guys going to the paralympics their preparation would have had to change for some people, that would have been great. For some others, maybe not so. So, yeah, who knows, really? I don't think I've got all the answers. No, I, but I think it's a really, that's a really good, honest, you know, kind of open answer because just, you know, speaking from experience at the moment, you know, normally, uh, you know, the start of the season, you've got your satellites and you've got your World Cup season. Um, you know, I would be targeting the satellites. Obviously, I've just come back from injury. And then with, the, you know, as you said, all the uncertainty that we've got going on at the moment, um you know it does it does it seem right to be trying to plan for for these events that you you know could I, i'm not talking about tokyo i'm talking about things that are kind of nearer because realistically i you know I, I don't know about you but i probably wouldn't fly to guadalajara for a satellite mm-hmm. um you know in normal even in normal times but i probably would do you know three or four of the kind of more local ones like you know amsterdam copenhagen barcelona um you know zagreb etc um, and as you say, you know, these things are kind of moving pieces. And I know that's t- definitely taken up some headspace for me at the moment. It's kind of, you know, what do I do? Do I do these things? If I don't go, you know, will my ranking suffer? Possibly. But actually, you know, as you, you were quite good at talking to me about this the other day and just saying that, you know, kind of doesn't matter. Let it go. And, the, you know, the, the cream will rise to the top. So, you know, kind of ability will show even if things get turned upside down a bit. In the meantime, it doesn't really matter. And I think it does, you know, kind of ask uh, kind of about a bigger picture. And, and right now, my priority isn't risking being stuck somewhere else. Um, you know, it's kind of getting on my training and being at home and kind of just, you know, continuing to enjoy things in lockdown. I think because as you kind of mentioned, because we're now technically allowed to fly, you're now technically allowed to compete, you're now technically allowed to do many things. Um, you know, we I, th- I feel like there are lots of people that kind of pretend or feel like they're kind of pretending now that COVID is no longer a thing. But actually, it totally is. And uh, yeah. I, as Johnny Davis, and I think somebody else has said as well, you know, people will be ready for training, competitions, flying, holidays, um, you know, being in a room, with 20 other people at uh, different times over the next 12 months. You know, some people might be ready immediately and other people might not be ready for a year and a half. And that, that's important to acknowledge as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, when you look at Tokyo, mental health is, is a big part of, of the ever-changing world, especially with a year and a half of people being locked in their houses. You know, listen to the, uh, the High Performance podcast, one of the things that comes out of all the sports people we talk to is they're exceptionally process-driven, um, you know, and, and understand there is an outcome they want to achieve, but ultimately they want to kind of get the steps and the process right. And I, and I guess, 
you know, right now there's so much level of uncertainty, you have to control the controllables and the, and, and think about the process of just getting better. Um, and as I said, you know, hopefully rise to the top, it might be that people start at different times, but over the course of a season, over the course of a year, things will eventually even out. Um, and I think it's important for your own well-being and, you know, mental health to, to start when you're ready and not feel that you're going into it because you feel you have to. Um, and, and I think, you know, kind of take this season as a bit of a buffet, you know, you take out of it what you want, but don't judge the overall outcome because, you know, for example, if you don't finish where you want to finish in the ranking or the medals that you want to achieve, whatever, and somebody else has, you know, comparing yourself to others is very dangerous because you don't know what they're doing, what their circumstances are. And so you can only take into consideration your your kind of world. And I, and I guess right now is that if you get to the end of the season, you go, oh, this person's done better than me. This person's done better than me. They may have done double the amount of competitions. They may have been in a situation where they it's okay for them to get stuck in a satellite somewhere halfway across the world. But for for, for others, it's not. And for other people with underlying health conditions or people that are, you know, struggling initially to cope with, with the pandemic, then that's also something that needs to take into consideration. So I think it, it has to come down to the individual and you have to stay pro-driven. And, I, and I, you know, I, I guess that over a whole season, things will start to find a natural balance again. Um, you know, British fencing won't necessarily un unfreeze the rankings just yet until we can start all competing on a fair playing field again, you know, I, I guess. So it's just, it's too easy to, to, to look around what is going on. I think there's a big fear of missing out, um, you know, and I think that's been perpetuated by social media and what you see online and people doing this and people doing that. And am I doing enough training? Everyone else is training. Everyone else is getting ready for competition. What am I, you know, and it, it's just trying to, Stay in your world and and think about what your goals are and what are what are the controllables for you and what you want to achieve in the in this very uncertain time. You know. Yeah, and I think those are really good parting words of wisdom uh, for us to have. Unless there's anything else you want to talk about. No, I think I think that's great. It's been awesome to talk about the the Olympic Games and 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 kind of looking forward to the Paralympic Games as well. I think you know, um, it, as as the slogan goes for Channel Four, the Paralympics will be it um, it's uh, impossible to ignore is is what they they they've said. So definitely, definitely get tuned in again to watch the Paralympics. I'll always remember the London ones as well. You know, kind of once the Olympics are finished, obviously there's a bit of a buffer, there are a few days in between. You know, all the TV adverts of Paralympics, you know, it was just amazing shots of all the sports. And at the end, thanks for the warm up. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally bring on the superhumans for London. Absolutely. Exactly. And that was there it. There we are. So it's going to be epic. Stay tuned. And hopefully there could be some serious GB success to look Absolutely. forward to. So hopefully next so time we we're talking, it will be uh, when we get when I'm back. And yeah, hopefully lots of good things to talk about. Definitely. So that's what I was going to say, actually, just to, um, so we probably won't do another episode until you're back. Um, well, I say probably definitely won't do another episode until you're back. So that will be at least a few weeks. Um, but in the meantime, you can follow all the action in the same way as you've been following the Olympics. And good luck to Ben and Team GB. Uh, and yeah, well, have an amazing time and good luck. You're all going to smash it. Just as a point of reference, so this is always always a dangerous game. Um, so we we are not Team GB, we are Paralympics GB. So it's uh, it's always really interesting when you talk to like reporters and and you see it on the news and they talk about Team GB going to the Paralympics. And uh, actually, it's not Team GB. Team GB is for the Olympic Games, and Paralympics GB is is for the Paralympics. Slightly different uh, trade names, but 
yeah, there's uh, the 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 Paralympians are proud of their their Paralympic GB. So yeah, as Paralympics GB, we will go out there and we'll be able to uh, to represent. Amazing! I didn't know that. So, <laughs> well and actually, I learned something else the other day about the the Paralympics. So again, people think that the Paralympics also carry the rings like the Olympic Games do. They do not. The you'll often see for the Paralympics they have what look like uh, three kind of halfish boomerangs, um, one after the other. And that is called the Agentos, which is um, very different to the Olympic rings. So, uh, yeah, you are, they were Paralympics GB and you'll see underneath the Agentos of the Paralympic Games. Fantastic. No, I didn't know that either. There we go. We've definitely learned something in this podcast. I hope that everybody <laughs> else has as well. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fenstein Podcast. Uh, you can also find... Well, you can't find me actually but you can find my company uh, at j4g design on both of those as well and you can also uh follow ben ben what are your handles oh just just google ben pegs there'll be plenty that come up <laughs> yeah it's uh it's ben pegs on uh on instagram ben pegs fencing on facebook um and on 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 twitter as well it's it's also ben pegs so you can find me on plenty of plenty of platforms um my ugly mug seems to get everywhere so um yeah no it's uh please follow us subscribe and and, and also please send us comments and reviews and let us know what you think you know and what you want to hear more of we we that's one of the biggest things for us is wanting to give the viewers what what they want um so please get in contact we we love hearing from you guys absolutely and i've i've seen a few fences obviously since uh you know since my return to fencing from a broken rib i've you know i've seen a few of my club mates i hadn't seen in, a, in quite a few months and they you know i had a few comments about uh, people enjoying the podcast especially enjoying the episode with richard uh, but also with the, the Canadian women's foil team. Um, so it's really good to get that feedback. So thank you very much to everybody. And as Ben said, keep it coming in. Awesome. That's all for now. We will speak to you in September, everyone. Thank you very much. That's it. Speak to you soon. Have a great flight. Fenstin podcast has been created in association with J4G Design, your one-stop user experience agency for all things digital, websites, graphic design and technical support.